Hello and welcome to the Race to Speak Up podcast. As always, I am your host, Devin Moore. Today's guest is Amaya Rivera. Amaya is a high school student passionate about providing opportunities. She constantly works to promote STEAM exploration accessibility with an emphasis on the T amongst underrepresented youth. STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Mathematics. As she mentors middle school students, is the author of a children's book called Steam Quest, founder of Youth Upholding Democracy, executive director of the hashtag I Am Computer Science Summit, and is an advocate for students with special learning needs. Amaya frequently works to amplify youth voices and to empower youth in her school and community to become involved in public service. Welcome, Amaya. How are you doing today? I am doing good, even better now that I'm here speaking with you today. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to get started and answer any questions. Awesome. So, um, well, first I want to say congrats on being an author. So why don't you tell us about Steam Quest? Yeah, so Steam Quest is about a young girl named Mora and her self-made robot friend Steam as they travel the world and learn about different places through Steam. It's supposed to be about Amora's leadership exploration journey and providing another young role model to the children's book scene because I've realized and through my own independent studies that the main reasons girls do not enter STEM or STEAM is due to a lack of accessible role models. And so I wanted to provide another role model in STEAM but in an accessible way for you know students in rural communities or just um, disadvantaged communities to be exposed to STEAM. So yeah. That's really, I really like how you're able to give, you know, young girls um, a way to really learn about how they can get involved in STEAM, you know, showing them like really having that role model. But it's kind of interesting because when I look at STEAM or STEM, like either one, I really see that there's actually like, you know, a lack of people of color. That's my first thing too. So I'm like, I'm like, you know, that's kind of interesting how like that also, you know, young girls is also another thing that we need to highlight. So um, why don't you um, take us, I just wanted to say that, but why don't you take us through the process of, you know, like writing a book? Like, was it challenging? Was it fun? Was it stressful? So you want to take us through kind of like the process of writing a book about this? Yeah, definitely. So for me, it was a bit of a longer journey than a lot of other children's book authors have, uh, just because my book is unique in the fact in that, you know, I have activity pages within the story of my book. So, for example, when Amora builds Steam, students have the opportunity then to cut out a page within Steam Quest to make their own paper Steam. Um, and so having to coordinate that within my story took me a super long time because one, I'm indecisive and I knew and I really stressed the kind of message that I wanted to give off to the next generation of, you know, young leaders. And that was the whole point of exposing my book to, you know, those next trailblazers within STEAM. And so it took me about say five-ish months to write everything and make the activities within them. Um, because I also wanted the activities to be super unique as well and, you know, culturally relevant uh, because similar to what you said, I also realized that, you know, there was a lack of people of color exploring STEAM and that's why my main character and every character or 
I'll say 90% of my characters are people of color to provide that representation. And so with that, I really stressed the writing portion of my book. That took me six months. I went through three illustrators because no, this was just me doing it by myself. Did not know the proper process to making sure that you know my illustrator was ready to go. Um, but I finally found a really good illustrator, worked with him, took about six more months to get the illustrations done. And then that went about the marketing process and getting all my social media set up. Um, and then I found a publisher, went through that. That took about a month or so, which was actually really short compared to other publishing companies, which was super good for me, especially because my plan was to finish my book in, let's say, six months. That's how I had it set to do. But then I just hit so many walls, especially with illustrators and just me in general being like, ah, I don't like this portion. So let me think about it a little bit to change it. So my journey was definitely longer than I think it should have been because I know that normal children's books normally take only a month or two to write. So um, yeah, that was my journey. <laughs> During your childhood, was reading always encouraged? Well, I also I just want to touch on what you were saying about, you know, the book list really quick. And thank you for providing that thought because I'm actually presenting to the NC Board of Education in August um, about my book. And I think that's a really cool idea to bring up about, you know, making those lists more diverse and exposing students to different things. Um, because hopefully my book will be shipped to multiple public schools. Um, and so I think having it a part of that list would help out a lot. So that's definitely something I'll bring up. But moving back onto your question, when I was growing up, I actually hated reading um, and it wasn't encouraged except in the classroom. I was huge on, you know, if you gave me a book, I would not read it. I was a puzzle person. I liked math, surprisingly, because I'm not a huge fan of it now. I was the one who liked to play chess instead of do my schoolwork. And so I was a fan of, you know, the quick blurbs and then having to do something interactive, not sitting for an hour or so and reading a whole passage. And I would occasionally, not even occasionally, often when I had to do my readings for school at home for homework, I would fall asleep reading. And so I, or earlier last summer when I was working on writing my book, I started to think, you know, why was that the case? And, you know, why wasn't I enjoying reading? Um, but yeah, now in high school, I like to read, which is a huge surprise because I never thought I'd get to that point. Yeah, it's weird because I can actually relate to that. Like, I found my, I would never fall asleep reading, but oh no, that is completely false. Because, you know, <laughs> like, um, there would be times where I would have to read something for school when I was way younger. And like, um, I would literally lay down reading and then I would fall asleep. Um, and so I kind of recognized that. So I would kind of like, you know, obviously sit up while I was reading school stuff, but then um, I would kind of just like read it, but not really think while I read it. It's more like just looking at the words and kind of just like skimming through. So I can kind of, I can kind of get that. I can definitely excuse me, I can definitely kind of get that. Um, so I love how like we kind of had that change. I'm really just recognizing the need for, as we were going back to having these Black authors or 
authors from different races and ethnicities um, being implemented into um, school books as options. So I'm like, I'm really eager to read more and more about it. So um, who are your favorite authors? Oh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I would, can we switch it and say my favorite books instead? Okay, all right, go ahead. All right, so I really like, um, I think it's called Silent Numbers. It's about this girl who can see um, numbers on people's foreheads about like their future or like significant dates in their life. And um, it's kind of like about her struggle to not tell people their numbers because of things that have happened in the past. Um, I really like that book. I also um, think that All Girls Can Be Engineers is a great book as well. It's a children's book. Um, it was one of the books that I really looked at when I was making Steam Quest because I was like, okay, so what is this book portraying and what, how is it portraying it because it's doing really well in the Steam space? How can I portray a different side, but portray all aspects? Um, and I guess last but not least, I really liked Girls Like Me, another children's book, um, because it's about exposing girls to different careers. And that was actually the original intention of Steam Quest. But then I realized that there was more need in a different area. Um, so that was something I really tried to do with Steam Quest was fill an area that I didn't see was filled yet. And so one of my favorite books was the one about the numbers and personally, but when it comes to Steam Quest, those two books were notable ones that I really liked and thought were really impactful. I'm glad that you bring that up because that also kind of reminds me of, um, and I'm glad you switched to like um, books instead of favorite authors, just because that reminds me of this one um, book that I uh, read, I think it was like a couple of years ago, but it really does stick with me is like um, the N-word book. I'm not going to say the actual word for this pop for the purpose of this podcast, but the N-word book by Randall, uh, Randall Kennedy. And so that was kind of really just kind of like a journey through learning about what the N-word means for me. I know this kind of, this is kind of like taking a turn to another topic, but still, because it reminds me of like one of my, um, how do I say this? Like another way for, it's like basically encouraging me to further teach about unity just because with that, within that word, it's caused so much division, if that makes sense. You know, we have people um, out here calling people of darker skin color that word, and it leads to so much division and leads to so much negativity. That word within itself is such a negative thing, whereas it derived from the word Niger, which I actually, I did some research, um, and I may have to do some research again, but what I found is Niger means like royalty or king, you know, which is more of like a positive thing. So that's, that's what I learned. Um, I may have to go back and uh, read it again, but still, you know, like, so things like that, I'm like, you go from more of like a not so negative thing to extremely negative. And I'm like, when it comes to like my book, we go from a negative thing to a positive thing by, you know, having young Devin sick of about his bullying experiences and um, work towards more positivity and unity and things like, um, like things like that, you know? Cause one thing I always say, 
I'm going to always say it. I know I said this before, but we really are all a part of one race. When you see us, look, if you really look inside of us, we're all the same, you know, we're all humans. We may, I may not look the same as you. You may not look the same as me. We may not look the same as the next person, but we really are unified through being a part of the human race. You know, our beautiful darker skin should not divide us or, you know, things like that. So I really like how, um, I think like the both of us are really able to relate to these different types of books that we're reading. It sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah, definitely agree. So um, kind of changing the topic again, <laughs> why don't you tell us about, or maybe not too much, but why don't you tell us about Youth Upholding Democracy? Oh yeah, so this is an organization I started about two years ago. Um, with the founding team consisting of about six other amazing uh, young leaders. So we wanted to promote civic engagement amongst youth. And we also noticed the lack of youth voting. Um, and so our main goal is to promote youth civic engagement by encouraging youth to vote. And we do this through multiple avenues, whether it be through social media, voter registration drives, and hopefully Coming up this year, we'll get into chapters and clubs after we become a registered nonprofit, hopefully next month. That's pretty cool. So um, can you tell us more about like what inspired you and the others to create this? Yeah, so we all were passionate about something within youth civic engagement. Um, and so I knew I was passionate about education and exposing rural students like myself to advocacy in general and letting them know that, you know, just because they are in a rural area, they do have a voice in, you know, what happens on the federal level. And I wanted to provide them the path to be able to have their voice, voice heard in or on a bigger scale. And so the whole mission on my end, you know, everybody else had their own reasons. I know one of them um, was passionate about, you know, immigration reform. And so she wanted to reach out to mostly, you know, new immigrants about how to vote in the United States. Um, but I, yeah, we've all had our different reasonings. Um, and so mine was to expose rural students. And so we've done that through our mentorship program, as well as promoting our voice and presence through our blog and social medias. So it's been super cool to kind of mentor you through that process of how to get started voting and how to get civically involved in their community, no matter how small or no matter how remote. Is this also where you work with students who have special needs? Um, no, I actually, that was something different of mine, but um, yeah, so. Well, tell us about it. Like, tell us about it anyway. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, I, you know, it's close, um, but so I started getting involved with it just independently, and I actually attended Merge, which is a hack and policy thon, so it had, you make a policy and then code something that correlated with it, and so I made something about, you know, students with special learning needs, and editing the individualized educational program document, and it really allowed me to see, you know, how neglected special learning needs students are amongst our government. 
um, because through my research, I found that, you know, no legislation or significant legislation, I should say, has been passed to assist students with special learning needs, or you can say students with special needs, um, either or, but no legislation has been passed in that regard in, I think, like four decades, which is 48 years, I'm pretty sure, or something in that regard. And it was shocking to me because it just showed that, you know, students with special learning needs are super disregarded by our government. And so I made a policy to, to edit that IEP document, which every student with special learning needs has in school um, to help with their education and to make that document more current to the remote learning environment that we've had for, I think, two years um, during the pandemic. So. Um, yeah, that was my work with that. I went on to make another solution for that. And yeah, my um, policy was recognized by Harvard University, which was super exciting. Um, and I, I wish I could take it further. Not sure how to go about that. But yeah, that was my work in that sector. Well, Amaya, as you should, and especially during um, the pandemic where we're all really more so online, for you to even think to create that and go about it is so, I really love that. And it kind of also speaks to me, not necessarily, um, you know, working with like learning disabilities, but it's really more so covering like cyberbullying as a whole topic. So I designed an anti-cyberbullying curriculum um, you know, like I did it through Humanity Rising and that just consists of like, it's really a guide that, allow, I don't know if you've uh, seen this on my social media, because I also have behind the screen webinars, but okay, so basically it's a guide that allows for students as well as teachers and parents to learn about cyberbullying prevention, which deals with how to be upstanders, its effects, um, the signs, um, it has resources, like it basically covers all of that. And it's for students to really, you know, make it their own and take it into their schools. So when I see you doing um, that and working with special um, needs or special learning needs, I, it really like giving them something it, uh, that acts as a guide, it, it really also speaks close to my heart. And that's why I'm so happy to see that you're doing that. That's why it's so important. It's like vital to have, and especially when it comes to, you know, legislation, because we, we definitely need that. We need something, we need something in place. We need something in place when it comes to these different topics. I remember when I first started, um, going back to just my race to speak of organization, um, anti-bullying organization. When I first started it, I was really working with legislators, assembly members and senators to get an anti-bullying law passed just because you know we need something in place. As I keep saying, that really is like par, like, really there for all schools like I, I would honestly want this all around the world but like for all schools to have you know the teachers get anti-bullying education through workshops like it's required every year with you know updated information about cyberbullying because cyberbullying really increased in fact it increased 70 about 73 I think maybe 76 percent now which is even worse but over the pandemic and then like um also, just a part of that is having schools report all the bullying incidents to school superintendents and the school superintendents having it on the website so that it really exposes the um, what's going on in that school. You know, obviously the students' personal information won't be revealed, but it's really to put these things like on blast and see how these things were really resolved. 
I um, feel like I'm we're kind of going on a rant now. I think it's just because I'm loving what you're doing and it's reminding me of things that I also do. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I really can relate to Amaya. But um, <laughs> so, you know, it's just like great stuff that you're doing. And it's like, it's good to see another, um, you know, another youth like closer in my age to my age working, dealing with legislation and getting legis- these things passed. So um, yes, all right, now I'll stop going off on my little rants. Um, <laughs> so, um, but now I'm kind of getting a little bit even more serious. So have you ever experienced bullying or discrimination? Yes, multiple times. Um, mostly when I was younger, but it's still, um, or now that I'm older, it's kind of like microaggressions. Um, or things that are more subtle, but it's kind of like, okay, so why are they saying or doing that to me and not the next person? So you kind of put two and two together a little bit, but yes, as you know, a lot of students who look like me and with big curly hair like me, I sure have. Yeah, I can definitely relate. I, I actually remember when I was in middle school um, so that's why I went, I really was going through racism and like, because I was growing up in that environment, I actually didn't realize now that I'm, you know, older Devin, who's gone through a lot more and can understand just as a black person, what racism is or what racism isn't, or like, I'm just really able to identify it. Looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, that was a microaggression. Them saying, such and such about my hair or such and such about the way I talk or such and such about just my skin color in general that was a microaggression or that was just straight up you know like blatant acts of racism you know so I can definitely honestly um relate to that but um so why do you think it's so important to speak up and stand up against bullying yeah I think it's important so you know the next person or the next person that looks like you doesn't have to go through that again, um, I think, or doesn't have to go through that at all, I should say, um, because I strongly believe that, you know, people who bully have, you know, some sort of insecurity within them, um, and it's, it's all talk, I like to say, and so if you say something back, you know, hopefully, or if you speak up, um, hopefully, they'll be like, oh, this person spoke up, maybe the next person will, but if they know that there's no repercussions to what they are doing, it'll just keep going. Um, And so I would say to stick up for the community is to speak up for yourself, um, because if you help stop one person, then another person doesn't have to go through that, and that person or the next person is more empowered in themselves to know, you know, they can do what they want to do. Um, they can be their unique selves and, you know, go on to do great things. And even if somebody is, um, or somebody did speak to, let's say myself in a negative way, um, if I speak up, I'm doing somebody else's service and I'm also doing myself a service. So it never hurts to speak up, um, especially when you're not the person in the wrong. Yeah, being an upstander. That what you're saying is being an upstander and supporting the person who's going through bullying. So I really like I really like how you touched upon that. You know, Amaya, you really have a lot of great things that you're doing. So I appreciate you coming on my podcast and really um really talking about it. 
what are your so moving forward what are your career goals yeah so my career goals are kind of all over the place right now um you know i see myself you know doing things in government in terms of you know promoting education or um promoting policy around tech or um, in an entrepreneur edu tech startup position actually i'm working at an edu tech startup which is super exciting because it helps prepare me for my future goals um also you know being a software engineer would be cool too i still imagine myself helping the education space in whatever way possible it's just still kind of iffy what direction i'll take i know i definitely want to continue publishing children's books though second one coming later this year but um i definitely just something education based or something with sustainability and helping promote you know climate solutions those are my two avenues as of now sounds good to me honestly you <laughs> definitely can i know you can really um like you'll be amazing in anything that you go through i mean Thank and you. i'm i'm over here just like seeing you like i remember when i first saw you and just looking on your social media because i know that we got connected through sanyu who i also had on my podcast um who you guys will also see um uh, audience members but anyway so um and then like just looking at your social media and i'm like oh wow this is really cool you know all the things that you're dealing with steam and stuff and then just moving forward i know you'll do really great in that so but um What's it, so tell me like what's been the most rewarding part of your journey? Ooh, I guess the most rewarding part of my journey is seeing, you know, the impact that I've had on other people. Um, and being I I didn't see myself in this light, but people keep telling me this over and over again. So um I'll say it, but being the role model that I'm trying to show students who are in my situation. Um, because honestly, I just do my thing and then like, that's it. But then, you know, having, you know, middle school students coming up to me telling me that, you know, they want to do the same things that, you know, I'm doing or, um, having people tell me that, you know, you say there's a role model in Amora, but you yourself are also a role model as well, writing a book so young and making this available to other young students to motivate them to know that they can do what they want to do as well, no matter the situation. Um, so I guess the most rewarding part is, you know, seeing the impact and also um, being the impact that I wanted to see. Right, awesome. Well, Amaya, I want to thank you again for joining me today, joining us today um, for the Race to Speak Up podcast. Um, but just my last question for you is, how can people find you? Like, tell us your social media platforms. And with us. Yep. So um, I'm most active on Instagram. So you can find me at SteamQuest the book on Instagram altogether, as well as I'm on Facebook. So just SteamQuest story-based activity book. If you just type in SteamQuest, you'll find me. I'm the first thing to pop up. Um, but yeah, those are the two platforms I'm most active on. Also on TikTok, but everything on my TikTok is just reposted to my Instagram. So definitely would say that Instagram is priority. You can also check out more about my book and also find my LinkedIn at steamquestthebook.com. Uh, that is also linked to in my Instagram bio. So prioritize following my Instagram, which again is steamquestthebook.
Awesome. Well, thank you again, Amaya. So thank you for having me. Awesome. And thank you to everyone listening. I hope to see you guys at future Race to Speak Up podcast. If you ever have any questions about the Race to Speak Up podcast, feel free to contact me at race to speak up at gmail.com. Make sure to follow at Race to Speak Up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on future podcasts. And for more information about the Race to Speak Up anti-bullying organization, make sure to check out my website, www.racetospeakup.com. And join the Humanity Rising movement. Humanity Rising offers scholarships for students making a difference in the world through service. Visit www.humanityrising.org for more information. And remember to ask yourself this one question. How do you race to speak up?